All right, sorry, I've been transferred to the immigration minister's office, Alan Tudge's office. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I'm just wondering, trying to get some information, given that he's recently been found to have unlawfully detained someone, I'm just wondering if he's set the date yet for his uh, public resignation announcement. Oh, you can't answer that one. Has the date not been set yet? Or is he, is he still working on that in the background? Oh, oh, that's that's a shame. Um, are you still going to continue to work for him? Because you don't have to. You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. My name is Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. We've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and making sure our taxable income is as low as possible. Evie <laughs> is away on assignment this week, but we still have a huge week. It's a real shame that Evie is missing us talk about the federal budget. It's such an exciting yeah. topic. And now I'm annoyed because I said, I'm Tom Lang instead of, and I'm Tom Lang. <laughs> yeah. You missed the inflection, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like finding out just now that Evie's not in today. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> if only I had some way of knowing in advance, I would have altered my delivery of my introductory. I line. would have. Oh, now well. it sounds like we record separately. Anyway. <laughs> So we're going to start off with some good news and then get into a whole lot of bad news. Um, the good news is that Lydia Thorpe is the first Victorian Aboriginal senator. That's not the good news. Obviously, it's terrible that she's the first, but it's good that she's there and we have one. Uh, <laughs> an Aboriginal senator in Victoria, finally. Um, yeah, it's been it's very white. zero and it's good because we have more than zero now. Yes. Um, she's a Gunai Gadejimara and Jaburong woman. Um, and on her swearing-in day, she walked into the parliament like a total boss um, it was fucking cool, carrying a, a message stick with a mark for each of the 441 First Nations people who've died since 1991 when we had the Royal Commission uh, into deaths in custody. The main thing as well is that she was in there for a day before she started to cop shit from mm. like fucking Jeff Kennett telling her to That's sit down oh. and, and pay her dues because she got in there and tweeted out on the first day. Essentially, like, you bunch of fucking idiots are not doing anything. Yeah. This is why I'm here, to get things <laughs> done. And Jeff and Jeff Kennett was like, huh, excuse me, I think you'll find that there's years of procedures in place and maybe you should sit down and wait your turn. It's like, she's a fucking senator, mate. Yeah. She's got so- nowhere else to go. She has worked for everything and she is in the Senate. She can now yeah, do things, you... Fuck. The wheels turn slowly. That's certainly what I elect my representatives for, is to sit down and listen <laughs> yeah. for a couple of years before they try and change anything. No, Jeff Kennett. Fucking- and also, if she's just gotten into the Senate, she's the first Victorian Aboriginal senator, she's not going to wait around a little while longer to start doing things. It's already too late. She needs to start doing things day one. Yeah, he said, walk before you can run. Like all new politicians, you have to serve an apprenticeship. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Fuck Jeff Kennett. Piss off, mate. No one cares. Yeah. Uh, for the international listeners, uh, Jeff Kennett was the leader of the Liberal Party in Victoria. Like, I don't know, when I was a kid. Yeah. And he like privatized a bunch of our healthcare system and then didn't die. He just got old and stayed <laughs> around. So yeah. whatever, Jeff Kennett. Ah, uh, fuck, that seems like a pretty good segue to get into some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is still alive? Oh, it's fucking Alan Tudge. <laughs> Alan Tudge. Alive and at large. <laughs> I remember 
before we even started ever talking about Alan Tudge, and now he comes up friggin' every episode. So, he's the acting immigration minister and actual kidnapping criminal who is above the law, Alan Tudge, <laughs> has brought in this new change to the partner visas, um, which is like, if, if you're an Australian citizen and your partner isn't an Australian citizen, they can get a visa um, through this incredibly lengthy and expensive process. It costs like $7,000. It takes several years. You have to prove that your partners and all this shit, and eventually they can become an Australian citizen so that they're not in danger of being kicked out of the country. He's changed that now so that if you want a partner visa, you have to prove that you have a high level of aptitude in the English language. And if you don't, uh, you have to prove that you are learning it by taking like 500 hours of English classes, which is really just... Australia already has an incredibly difficult, like I said, and lengthy and expensive visa process. This is just making it harder. And it's really just straight up kind of racism. If you can't speak English, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, so we'll enshrine that in law. Yeah. Like, the, th- the thing is as well... They they keep talking about how this is just done for opportunity's sake. You, you, they're going to be they're not going to find jobs. They're not going to be able to. Oh, like, we're as, protecting them, aren't we? Yeah. They're not going to be able to ostensibly do things that lefties want people to do, which is you know like if you don't speak English, you're going to have a hard time like finding and joining a union and building like worker solidarity wherever you work. Obviously, that's that's the type of problem. You're not going to be able to access uh, legal services, health services, education services mm-hmm. properly if you don't speak the predominant language in whatever nation. Now, instead of saying, when you have a partner visa application, the government will help you get English language lessons Mm. and for fucking funding that and giving support to people that need it, he's just going, well, you can't fucking come in, can you? Like- They've got to exactly ask backwards. But, well, I mean, they don't have it asked backwards for themselves. They're evil people. But you you could the- make the same claims that they're making and then inject a tiny little bit of federal funding into actually helping these people that need help speaking the predominant language of this country. But no. It's, yeah. it's also worth pointing out that uh, in his... Uh, when talking about this this uh, this suggestion to to change the the partner visa, the uh, Alan Tudge said that English was Australia's national language, which, uh, the, for the listener, that's untrue. Most people in Australia speak English, and a lot of like you know our laws are written in English and that sort of thing. But we don't have a national language. We have a predominant language, but it's not. There's there's no official thing that's like we speak English in Australia. There's only just sort of lunatic racists and people who don't understand the law who say that Australia is our na- that that English is our national language Alan Tudge of course doesn't understand the law because very recently as we said just before mm-hmm. a judge was like hey you just flagrantly and intentionally disobeyed the law in a way that's criminal and the thing that you did to that guy by holding him when you weren't allowed to hold him was kidnapping usually Australian government officials don't kidnap people except for One Nation's Mark Ellis who technically <laughs> never kidnapped anyone um, fuck this country holy shit <laughs> I, should, I should point out this is not this is not a proposed change this is not something they're working on this is an actual change this is happening um, it's not going to come into effect until the middle of next year but this is oh it's, it's there's really, no debate okay, about cool. this this is the thing yeah and and so that's interesting also Alan Tudge just gets to just do this. He goes, oh, we don't want people with English without great English coming here. Done. Um, and he claims this is to protect those people because 
you know, if you come over here and you don't have great English, maybe now your partner has like way too much control over you because you can't go and get a job and stuff. Okay, fair. Why not bring in some protections for those people? Because now you're just saying, oh, now if you come over here, either you're doing it illicitly and you don't even have a visa or you can't come over here at all or... That's what I just said. Like, fund yeah. frontline services for domestic abuse, you fucking idiot. Yeah. God damn it. They're I keep using that term excuses. so much because that's the only thing I can use to describe each and every <laughs> one of these people. God. I think that, honestly, I think that calling them idiots undersells it a yeah, bit. Yeah, they're not idiots. Because just- it sort of implies that Alan Tudge doesn't know what he's doing or isn't aware that's of the true. consequences or, or, you know, there's some sort of, like, missing gap in his, like, yeah, no. oh, this legislation, something, 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 it's going to harm brown people. He's like... Yeah, there's no something there. That's why I'm doing it, bro. I'm smart and I'm good at my job. I'm just hateful. This is just a a, a little one. This is just on the note of Australia. We don't have a national language. English happens to be spoken a lot. But uh, there was actually, you guys might not know about this, there was a civilization that existed in Australia before the settlers came and genocided them and just stole all of their land. Uh, and they were here for like 60,000 years. And that's uh, the indigenous Australians. And they were a whole bunch of nations and that sort of thing. And uh, we came in, we fucked them up, we took all the land, and then we were like, it's ours now, we're never going to make any reparations or anything, and just pretend like we're still the good guys somehow. Mm. Um, so that's the sort of thing that you should always be thinking about when somebody's like, oh, uh, English is our national language, uh, only by virtue of genocide. And mm. uh, yeah, so uh, the government just continues on with this genocide every day um, by just failing to support Indigenous people really in basically every way and there's just like one little story that's come out that's uh, illustrated this uh where the supreme court recently ruled that the government housing in the lachindra porter community in the northern territory had to be humane as well as safe it used to be that it had to be safe and there was sort of it was a bit ambiguous as to whether the government provided housing had to be humane and the Supreme Court was like, it does have to be humane. And the Northern Territory government is appealing this decision. Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> now, I don't even understand what what safe <laughs> yet inhumane housing is. That just mean they're making some concrete boxes. That's a jail, like, is- Lang. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't make sense because then it's not housing. Like I, I'm sure right? they found a way to make inhumane housing. Yes, um, I've seen some of those Northern Territory <laughs> communities, and this is what pisses me off is. You hear people say things like, oh, indigenous people, they bloody get, oh, they get welfare. They just get everything given to them by the government. They just get to hang out and have it all handed to them. No, they don't. You would not want to live in the conditions that a lot of these people are subjected to. They have this inhumane, unsafe housing provided to them. They get welfare that they have to spend at these. Do you know about like the outback, the outback like uh, general stores? In the yeah, Northern oh, Territory with the, with the cards that you can enter the script? No, no, they use real money. Um, but a lot of people also do have these like government cards. But the the prices, because it's an absolute monopoly. It's this private company that runs the general stores in these communities. And it costs like 20 bucks for like a pack of wheat picks oh, yeah. or something yeah. like that. And that is the only option around. And so even though you get like some government welfare, you're forced to spend it at these exorbitant prices. And so you can't afford fresh fruit and vegetables kind of thing. Um, it's it's horrific. And yeah. yeah, that's an aside, but just the state of living 
that is forced to happen in these communities. And the fact that the NT government still doesn't really want to take steps to improve this, it's it's a whole other world. This case reminds me of the time when the um, government lawyers tried to argue that Centrelink didn't have a duty of care to welfare recipients, mm. where th- that was a bit of a controversy because they were like, you know, obviously <laughs> you have a duty of care to the welfare recipients. What's the, the point of your system? The government was like, oh, but like, this is the actual defense. The government was like, oh, but, you know, if, if we actually say duty of care, that has a legal term, mm. that, that, that has yeah. a legal meaning that, that actually has consequences behind we it. We might be like, held accountable to something. <laughs> oh, yes, we have a duty of care, but we don't want to actually do it. And it's the same fucking thing here where they're just like, oh, look, we, we, we're obviously not saying that Aboriginal people should live in inhumane housing, but if you mm. say that they have to live in humane housing, suddenly we have to make sure that that actually happens <laughs> and you can see that <laughs> we don't want that. So, All right. Oh, this reminds hell. me of a total aside where there was a software company that made free software and in their user agreement was this tongue-in-cheek bit where it's like you can't use this software for evil but you can do with it whatever you want but then when microsoft bought that software for use in their programs the microsoft lawyers made them change that uh just in case (laughs) ibm microsoft was uh... ibm just in case ibm did want to use it for evil um (laughs) and they and so they changed it to may not be used for evil except by IBM. And the lawyer's like, that's fine. <laughs> Legal indemnity? Yep, cool, cool, cool. This this checks out. Just pulling at that uh, aside thread, one more step. Do you remember when Google's <laughs> motto was don't be evil? Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, we got to drop that. <laughs> Look, oh, lots of things are morally grey, you guys. Who can say what drone strikes really are, morally yeah. speaking? Maybe some people could claim that some of these military purposes are <laughs> evil. Uh, we live in hell world. Speaking of people who seem to have adopted a motto of don't be evil, uh, Jackie Lambie's sort of doing a bit of a heel face turn in the Australian mm. political scene recently. How about that? Yeah, look, like yeah. history on Jackie Lambie, she started in the Palmer United Party, right? Boo. Yes. And Palmer United Party, uh, are they still a party or did it just they sort of turn like out that was entirely a rot? Merge into and out of existence as a party based on how much funding the Liberal Party needs? At any given time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you didn't know, Clive Palmer um, has been like just publicly admitted that he used the Clive uh, the Palmer United Party instead of giving donations to the Liberal Party. Yeah, it's his own little piggy bank. So that party, whenever you see it, yeah, they just exist to run interference with the Liberal Party. It's just cheaper for Palmer. Yeah, and they're yeah. fairly racist. They're fairly right wing. They're all of those like just kind of independent far right Queenslandy kind of things. So Jackie Lambie started off in that party and she's still pretty problematic as far as I'm aware. You wouldn't want to take her advice on any kind of, you know, race-related anything. But the interesting thing about Jackie Lambie is even though she's problematic in a lot of ways, she's not like a ghoulish politician. Like most of the people in the government are these just like hollow suits with a lizard inside. Um like, who, so much of the government is, like, racist because they're evil, but Jackie right. Lambie seems to just be racist because she's wrong. Yeah, and that's, like, a lot of people in Australia are okay types until you start talking to them about, you know, Islam or something, and then you're like, oh, maybe we won't bring that up. Um, but 
if you say, hey, Jackie Lambie, do you think refugee children should be locked up forever? Or do you think we should just charge university courses so only rich people could should do them? Or any common sense thing like that. She is actually a human being. She goes, well, no, I, I think university should be available. I think asylum seekers should have mobile phones. She's not, she's not so far gone into politics that she doesn't have a soul anymore, which is really interesting. She yeah. accidentally represents a lot of Australia. Anyway, we're talking about Jackie Lambie because she recently, there was a vote in, in Parliament, should we take away the mobile phones of asylum seekers uh, in illegal detention, right? Uh, and a lot of the government was like, obviously we should because it's cruel and we want to dehumanise these people and make sure they can't talk about the cruelty being done to them. And Jackie Lambie went, hang on, I'm not so sure about this. Let's see what the Australian people sort of want because she didn't have a strong opinion either way. Um, and she wasn't, you know, being paid by anyone to, you know, have a strong opinion. Going <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have a strong opinion either way. She put out uh, a thing on her website that said, what do you think? More than 100,000 people responded to it. And 96% of them said, obviously, let people keep their mobile phones. And so she did. Um, she yeah. has more recently tried to stand in the way of these university funding cuts where most of the government is trying to make degrees more expensive and keep poor people out of university. And Jackie Lambie gave this quite decent speech saying, you know, she didn't go to uni and maybe she should have. And a lot of people don't get the chance to go to uni, but everyone should be able to go to uni because you want people in your country to be smart. Yeah, um, she she got in touch with a whole bunch of constituents in Tasmania. Like this wasn't even like the mobile phone thing was a genuine. Hey, Australia, what do you reckon? Yeah. In um a bunch of different um articles and podcasts, I was I was listening to about this. Um, she was not talking to journalists or other politicians because she was too busy talking to university students and professors and things in her, in Tasmania, just sort of going like, this seems pretty fucked. Is this fucked? And she, she talked about how like a couple of different first, first year graduates she was talking to just broke down while they were on the phone talking to her. They would talk, she talked to a few people who explained how them being able to go to university is what got their family out of poverty. And so when the bill eventually went through, because Centre Alliance are a right-wing shell organisation, um, they did a deal with the Liberal Party, the, the vote got through, it's fucked, Labor's mm. also fucked, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, but Jackie Lambie, she gave this speech where she was talking about, like, she wishes she went to university, but it's too late for her now, that's how it goes. And then she apologised to the people she tried to, to, to work for to stop this bill by saying that, like... If I had a degree, maybe I may have won the day. Maybe that would have made me a little bit smarter on my feet. Who knows? And, and, and like this, this direct quote from her. I refuse to be the vote that tells poor kids out there, or those sitting on that fine line, no matter how gifted, no matter how determined you are, might as well dream a little cheaper because you're never going to make it because you can't afford it. I'm not going to be the one that gets here and tells them to bugger off. Mm. Oof. Like that is, that is genuinely moving. That is that is a genuine statement as well. It's not run through four different speechwriters to figure out how to cover your legal bases. That mm. just seems genuine. She actually believes in a thing, which is the just a human saying a thing. Which mm. is which is part of the issue because on the flip side of that very same co coin, when she says something like that hasn't been run through different speechwriters and legislators, that's just like blatantly racist. Mm. She's also doing it for the same reasons because she means it <laughs> and she's she's like genuinely passionate. So it's like fuck, like. 
I, <laughs> I support her in this. And I watched that mm. speech and started to tear up a little bit. And then just the basic amount of Googling is like, oh, that's right. Not that long ago, she was really, really properly fucked on national TV. So it's like... Pretty racist. So th- and this is the I- thing, McLean, you've talked about it before of like, if we just got a random sampling of people from the Australian population and put them in parliament, we'd do a better job. Oh, we'd, we'd have a better class of politicians. I think yeah. Jackie Lambie is proof of that. To a point, we yeah. would have some fucking racists in there that are, sure. that are also like staunch unionists potentially or that want poor people to be able to go to university and better themselves. Like, like fuck. We, we, we would yeah. just have I'm a stuck. bunch of complicated characters who you're like, yeah, I don't know how to feel about anyone in government because everyone has some good ideas, but they also have some pretty bad ideas mm. instead of just being like, <clears throat> so everyone is horrible. Except yeah. for some people who are like mostly horrible, and then like three people who seem fine. Yeah, and then some really good Lydia Thorpe types that we have so rarely. Yeah. So this yeah. is the, this is the thing for me of like Jackie Lambie said some really horrible shit in 2017. She said less and less horrible shit as she goes along, and like I've got a I've got a moratorium on tweets of about five years, definitely ten years. Mm-hmm. Like whatever. If you haven't gr- <laughs> if you haven't grown that much as a person after ten years, I I think like. The, the problem's on you, not the person who said something terrible 10 years ago. Let's look at their record. I think Jackie Lambie is on course for like a proper like um, rehabilitation. Redemption. I honestly think redemption. Yeah. I think well, we could get to a point where like <laughs> five years from now, she's a proper like lefty by way of the fact that she had to deal with the Liberal and Labor Party for so long. She's just like, fuck it, burn it down to the barricades. This is the thing. So we know that Jackie Lambie comes from a place of low socioeconomic status in Australia and not a great education. So, of course, she's going to be fairly racist because Mm. that is the sort of prevailing, you know, culture Mm. of this god-awful country but like i I saw a good tweet um just uh, the other day where somebody was talking like uh, somebody was just like oh if you're still like uh, not an anti-capitalist but claim to be a leftist like get out of here and uh someone else i'm really sorry if you're a listener of the podcast or a personal friend and it was you (laughs) i totally forgot about but they they were just like oh yeah if somebody's managed to absorb any of the like uh ideology that we're constantly saturated in then fuck off Mm. like Uh, no, it's por- fair enough. Like, it's really hard to not absorb the ideology of the culture that you're surrounded in, especially if you haven't had a university education. Uh, yeah, that was Cass from No Turning Back Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out, shout, shout out, shout out, shout out to them. We'll bring it's them up again podcast, in a little bit. Good people. Hi, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the tweet, the tweet was, friendly reminder that if you're not for the full abolishment of capitalism, you're not a leftist. And Cass responded with, ah, yes, exactly what the left needs. Exclusions. <laughs> yeah. yeah man yeah it's, nah it's, it's ridiculous and that's here's another thing that I'm thinking about we're just going on a million tangents but uh, we haven't hit the halfway point yet so <laughs> we're okay uh, you know, it's, it's open season is that you can explain where someone's coming from when they've done something bad and figure out like oh why do they say that thing and that doesn't excuse it I can say oh she said this racist thing because she came from a culture of racism and she mm. didn't have an education to like critique that sort of upbringing etc 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 there's a lot of people who hear that and be like oh you say you're saying it's fine no. no, no. It's a reason. It's not an excuse. There's a there, yeah. yeah. There's a huge. There's a huge big reason between excuses and explanations, which I think a lot of yeah. people on both sides 
um, yeah. managed to miss. But it's like, no, we're just explaining why she probably said that shit. And it's aberrant. And if she ever came <clears> out <throat> and apologised sincerely for it and then tried to move motions to support um, asylum seekers, like, I don't know, voting against taking away their mobile phones and doing things like that consistently, then I reckon she's on track to start being someone that we can feel mostly pretty good about. And we can go, oh, yeah, she had a really shit start when we first heard about her. Like, yeah. Mostly this goes to show the state of politics in this country is that Jackie Lambie is not somebody, if we had a functioning political system, she's not somebody that we would generally be feel represented by. Like, we're super lefty, university-educated Victorian types. She's this working-class, kind of racist Tasmanian senator, and yet just by virtue of not being this ghoulish political animal, we're like... Solidarity with Jackie Lambie, I guess. It's really (laughs) weird. And it shouldn't be that way, but that is the state of politics in this country. Yeah, everyone in our major parties are such fucking losers. I don't want to have to stand by Jackie Lambie, but what are my options? (laughs) That's my that's my that's my middle class university educated (laughs) opinion. Bunch of fucking losers. Alrighty, budget time, Alrighty. budget talk. Oh, it was the budget. Budget. It's basically tax cuts. Moving on. It's, it's like Christmas for gas companies. <laughs> the the bloody the bloody federal government's brought out the budget, and there's a lot of winners in the budget, and there's a lot of losers in the budget. <laughs> the ABC's reporting uh, of the budget came with a graphic that showed <laughs> who the winners and losers were, and it's the just the worst it's- piece of political coverage that mm-hmm. one of the winners. Taxpayers, one of the losers, economy. <laughs> yep, those what? Are what? Well, I the economy's going to take a hit, but the taxpayers, good. All taxpayers? Which taxpayers? We have a GST, so the taxpayers, everyone. Tax is built into the price of living in Australia. So, yeah, yeah. So, winners, th- yep. everyone, mm-hmm. losers, uh, are the Australian $2 coin, I think. <laughs> I like, Just- I like winners, vaccines, losers. Women and childcare. <laughs> Winner, mental health. Loser, climate. Like, like, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to this in a little bit, but the I just the way, especially the fucking ABC covering it like it is a fucking grand final of a sports game, game like. winners and losers in the budget. And it's like, now keep in mind when they talk about that, winners are people that will get more money and losers. Losers are people who will lose out on having money or support services or government, like, handouts that will help them. Like, winners and losers, not me. I'm on too much money. (laughs) And if if one of your losers is women and childcare, like, what's left? Yeah, I think... Just old rich men? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. winner, older Australians. Yeah. <laughs> but keep in mind, but that's the thing as well. Losers, women, winners, taxpayers. So all the women <laughs> who don't now pay taxes, like it just it's this weird bullshit trying to break it down along quote unquote non-ideological lines mm. is just failing our fucking journalist class so hard. We'll get to it in a little bit. But look, we're not gonna go over a whole bunch of the like hard numbers of the budget. If you really want 
people to dig into the budget in the way that we would. Highly, highly, <laughs> highly recommend listening to the episodes this week from No Turning Back podcast and the Ozpol Snack Pod podcast. They have some really fantastic episodes that are um, getting into the reasons why this budget fucking sucks and why it is why it is terrible. But we wanted to do what we always do, which is just sort of like riff around big ideas and call people <laughs> names as we go through it. Um, but like... Yeah, oh, uh, we don't have any hard numbers. Hard numbers, what's that? Like anything over 200, right? 200 and <laughs> off. <laughs> what? So look. <laughs> Just, it's, it's, it's a big number. It's difficult. Oh. It's, <laughs> it's a deep cut. Hard numbers, the 12 um, times table, you know. <laughs> I mean, look, just to, just to hit the basic overview before we get into the stuff that I specifically really want to talk about. Um, mm. Some things to keep in mind is that anytime you hear any reporting about this budget and like the speculation that's involved in the budget, keep in mind that this is according to uh, Greg Jericho reporting over at The Guardian, that this budget is based on the idea that we will have a vaccine for COVID next year. Which that- we very well may not. That's just amazing. That's just in the budget. Every single one of these features is based on the idea that a vaccine will just happen, be widely available, will work properly. Mm. And the other part of it is that we are supposed to have unprecedented growth and demand for growth next year. The Mm. government has costed every single thing in this budget on the idea that we are going to have the best growth this side of the year 2000. Just and that's just an assumption. That vaccine hits, shit's going to be amazing. Uh Yeah, more growth than the mining boom, more yep. growth than after the 1990s recession, more growth than it, basically any time in our lifetimes. Yeah, that's and that's and that's not just like, oh, here's what we're going to do to get that growth. This is, we're expecting that growth and here's all the spending. Wahey! So it's just, it's based on nothing. This budget is based on fucking nothing. I want to I wanna quickly just, you've said they've based it on this, but I don't think they have. I think they've justified it with this. I think this budget is whatever they want it to be. And they've said, ah, it'll be fine though, because, ah, magic. They haven't based it on stuff. I mean, that's their, that's their climate approach, right? As well. Like all of our climate projections for our emissions include us making some pretty miraculous discoveries in clean technology over the next couple of years. So I mean, maybe that's what's fueling our growth next year as well. Magic. Yeah. They'll invent magic. Oh, right. So we're putting the budget together. And so right up the top, Australia is going to invent a vaccine for coronavirus and they're going to develop a technology that uh, makes like perpetual energy for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to serve a really just the, the two pillars of Australia's economy is uh, <laughs> unlimited free energy. <laughs> and uh, like, I think actually that the COVID vaccine that they're, that they're projecting here mm. um, gives you eternal life as well. And both of those things are made out of natural gas. And <laughs> yeah. they come from the research departments in the universe universities which have just been absolutely fucked over by the budget yeah i'm just seeing here that uh that uh angus taylor has uh just paid (laughs) angus taylor 600 billion dollars uh to fund development of covid vaccine slash panacea and perpetual energy source for free forever no 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 uh sorry mclean you're misreading, unfortunately. That's kind of libelous. He's got nothing to do with it. It's just his family's trust fund. Uh, oh, yeah. To- no, yeah, it says sorry. Angus Taylor has given the money to Angus Taylor asterisk. Yes. And then the asterisk. <laughs> no relation. The footnote there, yeah, it says a different Angus Taylor. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, just as an indication for how fucking horrible this, um, this budget is, Lydia Thorpe herself has pointed out that the budget has... Funding up for $300 million to the AFP 
and mm-hmm. only $46 million going to any sort of Closing the Gap initiative to help Indigenous Australians um, live lives of dignity, to help them in any way. That's yeah. the type of ideological shit that has gone into this budget. So any of the tax yeah, cuts so that's- that are happening, do not. And you'll hear a lot as well. You'll hear about how tax cuts are helping everyone. Technically true. Everyone who pays tax in some way, because as the ABC reported, we're all winners in this, but you're getting really shit prizes. If you're it's just the Northern Territory being like, oh, well, we can't give the Latinja Porter like people humane housing. Where's the money going to come from to build that? And it's like, yeah, we gave it to the Australian Federal Police, obviously. <laughs> oh, Where else are we going to send it? Yeah. So it's just, it's just constant shit like that and I mean this is this is someone's got to raid our political opponents while looking the other way when Alan Tudge is declared a criminal by a court those journalists aren't going to raid themselves (laughs) (laughs) well I mean given the way that the bloody ABC's gone I'm not too sure about that Lang Ah, uh, you got me there. This, this, this is the other thing. This is like I'm really trying to stay optimistic about mm-hmm. uh, action on climate change as much mm-hmm. as I can, and I thought there would at least be a bare allusion to it. Yeah. Mentioning the like COVID recovery commission, mentioning oh, the technology roadmap, anything like that. The word climate is mentioned in this budget once. And $1.9 billion in new funding as part of our energy plan to support low emissions and renewable technologies, helping to lower emissions and address climate change. We're also helping to unlock five key gas basins. Sorry, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) He's just... It's... it's, Straight after mentioning climate, <laughs> five gas basins. But it's just we're committed to that thing that you care about. Also, yeah. I'm going to be rich, filthy fucking rich. <laughs> we'll be doing stuff about climate. Don't worry though. Don't worry, Neville Power. We will be opening up a bunch of gas basins. So <laughs> just in case you thought we went all green on you. Honestly, terrifying when I heard that bit for the first time. Like that was a really chilling moment. There was a couple other ones. Um, of just like sneaky little mentions of shit that I'm like, oh, you people are worse than I thought. I, I thought, I thought Scott Morrison was more of a bumbling, incompetent like fool than he than he is. He's he's. He's, he's, you can't underestimate a marketer. They're slimy. They're just, the, they'll just get in there. You won't mention it. It's like, oh, who's this idiot? He's walking around. He's dropping plates. I can't have him on for anything. Oh, he's CEO already. What the fuck? What? Mm. <laughs> That's Scott Morrison's career in a fucking nutshell. I kind of get the, get the feeling that this budget, like everything the government does, isn't aimed at the Australian people. It's aimed at coal and gas companies. Uh, they're just, they're being like, this one's for you guys up the back. Uh, the people who, who pay our bills. Um, and it, it's wild. I have this feeling that the government is more pro coal than coal companies are, like <laughs> to a degree that's embarrassing. And I feel this way because does anyone remember the Abbott Point coal export terminal? There was a big fuss about it a, a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. It's this giant coal terminal that was built in some area of pristine natural wetland or something. It was it was built to handle all the coal that Adani exactly. uh, is going to mine now. And yeah. so, of course, there was a huge like protest against it and everything. It still got built. It's it's exporting coal and stuff from a, a range of mines around the area. But what's really funny is if you go to the website, and I don't think they call it the Abbott Point Coal Terminal anymore. They call it like the... Uh, it's the North Queensland Export Terminal. There we go. The North Queensland Export Terminal. 
they don't use the word coal at any point <laughs> on that website. Now, coal is the one and only thing that terminal exports. It is a coal export terminal. And they say beautiful things like, and it's, it's I recommend looking at it, it is a masterclass of avoiding using a single word. Um, the NQXT is a multi-user export cargo handling facility <laughs> that currently provides strategic access to nearly a dozen major resource production customers. <laughs> customers. <laughs> oh yeah, what customers. are they? What are, and so what are, what are they what are those customers? What Oh, it's uh it's uh it's playing an important role in supporting the Queensland and Australian economy there, Mitch. Oh yeah, it's so uh, an export gateway for the Galilee basin. Oh, it's like an ex- exporting exporting what? Well, well, product from Queensland mines. Um, well, I can see that in financial year 2020, 32 million tons of product were loaded through our terminal. Oh, cool, cool. So what's the breakdown of that 32 million tons of product? Like, what's the pie chart of all the different products that are being exported through your terminal? Oh, well, they're coming uh... from Queensland mines to the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just going out of their way. It's like, this uh, mines can, can mine a lot of different things. And we export some <laughs> of what mines around the world dig up. And I okay, but what the you, website has a whole thing about carefully. protecting the local environment. Mm. Uh, oh, the North Queensland Export ah. Terminal has operated for more than 35 years adjacent to protected terrestrial and marine environments. And <laughs> it's got like a guy in high vis who's like making sure that the swamp's okay. Like protecting our local environment, heavy, heavy stress on local. Mm. <laughs> we, we take care of the river across the road and then the rest of the world can burn to death. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I love that it operates adjacent to protected environments um it doesn't operate uh in a helpful way to them like it, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, operate next to uh, with them it's just directly on top of and adjacent to those marine environments we all know that because that's what people were protesting um <laughs> so we, yeah so we the- drive those giant cargo ships just adjacent to the great barrier reef so the north queensland export terminal have gotten rid of every mention of coal off of their website Meanwhile, it's amazing. Li- liberal fuckhead Matt Canavan has recently put black coal matters in a st- on a sticker on his ute while trying to troll the Greens with this. That what the fuck? Fuckedest shit. I've got to say, such masterful trolling because he's simultaneously being like, "I'm racist and fuck the environment," just with a single slogan. I, it's impressive. I genuinely yep. don't know. Like we were talking before about how you know you don't you don't you don't want to disparage their intelligence because they definitely know what they're doing. I don't know if Matt Canavan does. Matt Canavan isn't. He's. I think he it's knows an animal what he's cunning, doing, Mitch. You know, he knows what he's doing. I think he's I th- doing the no, sort I of think- like variant on dog whistling that's called foghorning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I mean I I don't yeah I mean look you. No, I don't know. I think I'm kind of with Lang with like it's a more animalistic thing. I think if we dis- if we dissected his thought process, we could reveal to him why he's doing it. Mm. But I reckon he just reacts. I reckon he just sort of wakes up in the morning suffused with hatred and racism for like for for good things. Like he just looks at the world and he's like, Ugh, why can't people feel as miserable as me? And then he just does things without thinking. And then if we break it down, it's like, oh yeah, it is because I'm a fucking racist. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's a racist. He's an extremely talented racist, but it's in the same way that, like, a cat chases a laser pointer. The cat is fantastic at it, but it does not know why it does that. Yeah. Matt Canavan is racist and really fucking good at it, but he doesn't even realise why or how he's doing this. I reckon he does. Like, I mean, we're talking about Matt Canavan, who is a, like, long-term senior politician in the Liberal National Party. He's very wealthy, but every time you see him in a photo, he's wearing a baseball hat and high-vis. 
he doesn't work in any kind of area that needs high vis, but mm. he knows that his media image needs to be cultivated yeah, in basic. that way. Like that is a tactic that he's been doing for years and years. Like he's clearly got media literacy and he's clearly got some level of, you know, strategic but, approach to that. But that's so to say like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing when he puts a big black coal matters sticker on his van. He fucking does. But do you think he's when he puts bad. black coal matters, he like obviously he goes, oh, this is a bit flippant. Does he realize exactly how fucked that is? Yeah. I don't yeah. reckon. Okay. Agree to disagree. Well, we all agree that's, it's that's fucked. Thing. I don't so know how I, fucked I, he realizes I it. I think is. that he's just coming from a place that is fucked, where he's yeah. like, obviously, the Black Lives Matter protests in the States are terrible because police should be able to do whatever they want and, and the, 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 the black mm. people are more likely to commit crime or whatever. So the BLM slogan's terrible and I'm going to make fun of that. Like, maybe he has yeah. interrogated sort of the depths of his own racism because he doesn't have any motivation to do it because society gives him millions and millions of dollars worth of rewards for being racist in that way constantly so of course he puts a sticker on the van and uh of course he stays in government yeah like i don't think you need it like he has a tactic he's executing that tactic the tactic is effective so i don't think he's picked it apart in that much detail but i think it's an intentional tactic hmm. we've we've just put more thought into it than he probably did and <laughs> uh it doesn't matter because he's a fucked racist and that's really all we need to know So a couple of other quick things about the budget itself. Um, one thing that I wanted to call out specifically was a line that I haven't really seen reported much, if at all, in other spots, was Frydenberg's um, new initiative uh, working under a use it or lose it scheme. So he's announced that there will be funding to each state for infrastructure projects to help kickstart jobs and to get some much needed work done. But it's going out there with use it or lose it attached to the money, wherein if the states take too long to buy workers to start projects, then they lose the funding and it goes to another state who can show that they're willing to start those projects super quick. That is a deliberate strategy to undermine union power, especially the unions that take care of public sector workers, because that is essentially saying you do not have time to see if these jobs are safe. You do not have time to negotiate proper wages. You do not have the capacity to make sure that your workers are in the best position. You just have to start it or you're not doing it at all. And that is hmm. that is a deliberate tactic they do that shit all the time but it was just sort of again squirreled away into a half sentence that he hopes no one else will, will pick up on so um shout out to the uh, the renters and housing union who uh picked up on that one um privately <laughs> i'm looking at out who it was but i was chatting with them and then when someone actually pointed that out i'm like oh fuck yeah that's a big yeah. issue just every little bit of this budget, you can find ideology hiding under every little rock. Um, there's a there's another point in the budget where there's a 17.4 million dollars in what they're calling relocation assistance for job seekers uh, and to those who temporarily relocate to take up agricultural work. Now, last week we talked about how fruit picking is human trafficking, and the government are trying to make unemployed people go do the fruit picking in terrible, terrible conditions so that we don't have to pay people properly for it. Now, what's going to happen with that relocation assistance and what the uh, Australian Unemployed Workers Union are worried about happening is that if there's a relocation assistance uh, budget, then mm. the job uh, agencies 
can tell unemployed people, no, 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 it's reasonable work for you to move to a rural center and do fruit picking for a while because we can support you because we have the money to do so. So you can't refuse to go fruit picking. If you refuse, you will lose your payments because it is reasonable for you to do it now because we have assistance from the government. Now that we're offering that relocation, fuck me. And and once again, this is coming out of the taxpayer's pocket to help uh, people pick fruit on fruit farms underpaid. So it's not even fruit farmers paying for you to go up there and do it. It's taxpayers paying to move people to pick fruit on fruit farms. Yeah. That relocation assistance is just going straight to the pockets of some rural landlords, hey? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, we all know about what's been happening with the aged care sector during the pandemic where so many people both in aged care being cared for and the people doing the caring for them are being infected with COVID and fucking dying. And there's no actual measures in this budget to help with that. Mm. Like, we've got a royal commission into it at the moment and this government just didn't mention it. They didn't mention anything about housing in any substantive way. Every single time, climate, aged care, housing, actual help. It's all just done with these vague nothings. And then when they get to the nitty gritty of it, it's like, oh yes, well, we've got this fully costed, really complicated tax system where, you know, it'll help everyone. And you look at it and you're like, oh fuck, it's only helping rich people. They're not solving any of the issues. No, absolutely not. They are, they are, they are not only not solving any issues, they are using this budget as a good excuse to just give money to their mates. Mm-hmm. That's the and this is also the most secretive budget ever produced. That, this is a, a report out of The Guardian observing that the phrase not for publication uh, appears 384 times across the new budget, uh, which just like every time they're just like, oh, well, we want to give money to some friends, but we don't want to say who. So yeah, or that how much. Not for publication. Just um, the, like the, I, it's, it's the federal fucking budget. Right? It's my money. <laughs> that's, um, the, that's the thing. If it's like... There, there should be absolutely no mentions of not for publication. It's the federal budget. Show me they, how you're using my money. And when uh, they Mitch, do you're have, you're a taxpayer. You're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> and when they do have not for publication, that can be for a couple of reasons. One of those is, oh, it, it might diminish confidence in commercial areas, or or it it might make us look bad in some way, or or it's somehow about security. Um, this is 384 times the previous record was a little over 300. But this is up from like a hundred or so only five or ten years ago. Um, and some of these things, we know what they're spending it on. We know some of the things. Like one of them is is getting this offshore oil platform. That's no longer working, making sure that's secure and, and not leaking oil or whatever yeah. in the Timor Sea. Okay, maybe that has to be done. Why can't you tell us how much that costs? We understand that will be expensive. Why is it a secret? If it's yeah. a few billion, if it's a few hundred million, like... Why are you hiding that? That's that's the thing that you hit on, which is, which is the most aggravating part of it, is that when it's like come up for, you know, not for publication, it's not that there's just this mysterious black hole part of the budget. You're right in that, yeah, we do know pretty much what you're spending the money on. It's like if you've got the company that owns that offshore oil platform and you're also you're giving some amount of money to them and you're giving some amount of money to these like companies that help secure oil platforms. It's like, well, okay, you're securing the oil platforms. No, we're not. No, 
Can't yeah, say for sure. Can't free. say for sure. <laughs> Journalists in this country are not going to report on it because it's not for publication. Like, sh- sh- fuck, guys. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've just seen that apparently we're totally wrong about women being losers in the budget. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> Social Services Minister Anne Rustin and Employment Minister Michaelia Cash have both gone on record. Both to women. Say the Morrison government, yeah, they're, they're both women. The Morrison budget is actually good for women because it's building roads and women can drive on them. <laughs> this isn't a big it. This is legit. They said that with their human mouths. If you uh, drive on roads, uh, as a woman, we do, uh, you will uh, benefit from our investment in infrastructure. That's not a bit. That's the actual Morrison government line. Multiple Morrison ministers have said this. This isn't just like a one-off thing. This is just like, this is the reason that the, the budget is good for women. But women can take advantage of, you know, driving on the new infrastructure and roads. I just want to take a second to just get in, just... If you can, empathise with Rustin and Cash for a second. Just imagine being a fucking Liberal minister and there's like the, your boss says, hey, you're going to have to say that line about women driving on roads. And just the sinking feeling they must get. May I say, it's delicious to think of them squirming and suffering oh, because look, of that. Fuck you, people. I think they got rid of that sinking feeling years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they filled I think it they in made a cash. decision in like the late <laughs> 90s to be like, I'm selling out who I am for power. Goodbye. <laughs> Luckily for all of us, though, we have a very strong opposition party who are willing to really put the boot in and... Um, oh, wait, no, I'm getting word that it's Anthony Albanese, the chinless loser of the Labour Party, who cannot, for the fucking life of him, take one principle stand. Just, he can't get one line right. He can't do one media appearance <laughs> without putting his fucking foot in his mouth. Like an, he can't do anything now clearly like, what, he's, what can he's he gone do on lee sales to take a bold principled stand and instead <laughs> he took sort of more of like a, an italic principled sit <sighs> he, so he he did his budget reply and he had some fucking line in there about how um the liberal government had mugs saying that the budget's going to get back in black but may i just say they probably picked the wrong acd we're already fucking off mate you've already lost us all they mm. already picked the they picked the wrong acdc song they should have picked dirty deeds mm. done dirt cheap and he like looked at the camera waiting for like some sort of like dads. just an uproar <laughs> from the, from the australian public just carried out on their hands of the labor party He's like yes yes you're not a loser you're really cool we respect you done dirt cheap Get him, elbow. <laughs> so anyway, then he goes on to um, the he goes on to the ABC and has an interview with Lee Sales, where she is just sort of like very slowly, like she 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 is she's a superposition journalist. She is both lobbying gentle softballs for elbow to knock something out of the park and to really set up a political dichotomy in this country, while also carrying an immense amount of water for the Labor uh, the Liberal Party and giving them a pass on their budget. One of the first things she 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 she's talking to Albo about is about like frontline services. And Albo says, "Well, we're going to pay nurses more money than is what's in this budget." And Lee Sales goes, "Oh, cool. How much?" And Albo just goes, "Oh, well, look, they will be costed later uh, before the next election, but now's not the night to discuss how we will pay for nurses and how much we will pay them." The budget reply night. This is always 
fucking elbows line is like, oh, you know, not before the election. Like, the election's in two years. We don't want to give people a reason to vote for us. We don't want to have a stand because then someone might disagree on it. It's the same fucking thing again. We can't say that it's going to be humane housing because then we'd have to do it. We can't say Hmm. that it's a duty of care because then we'd have to do it. We can't say how much we'd pay nurses more because if we did, we'd have to do it. Yeah. And then the liberals would say, oh, they're spending too much money on nurses. This is is the thing that gets me. All right. He He clearly doesn't want to pay nurses more and he wants to keep all his cards close to his chest so he can stay flexible before the election and essentially what he wants to do is try to barely scrape through if at all maybe he doesn't want to win i don't know but like you at least know that if you say something like we will pay nurses more Mm. any fucking journalist is gonna go how much and he just doesn't have an answer for it he didn't (laughs) think about that at all i I wouldn't say any journalist (laughs) i think that that albo is probably genuinely blindsided by a (laughs) follow-up question (laughs) Okay. Well, he fucking he genuinely might be because the other thing that happened is that uh, the uni cuts that we were talking about earlier. He was on national TV and he said that the, the Labor Party stands opposed to those uni cuts. And, and Lee Sales just goes, "Okay, cool." Will Labor overturn that in office? Well, we oppose the legislation, Lee. That's not the same as whether you'll overturn it in office. Well, we'll make our announcements uh, at, at the appropriate time. But and the principle. Tonight's not the time. The idea that you can answer a question like that from Lee Sales by just going like, will you overturn them? We oppose them. That's not what I asked. And he just babbles for fucking minutes. The thing with this is it's basically Lee saying, will you act on your words? And he goes, no, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that we are a party of action and I'm not going to even pretend that we intend to act on our words. Like, absolutely. If it was the Liberal government, they'd say, well, of course we're going to invent magic and we're going to be making money and uh, infinite energy and we'll have a vaccine. And she'd be like, are you serious? And they'd be like, yes, of course. Just, I I don't even know, like, why the Labor Party haven't tried this, but we all remember Tony Abbott going, no cuts to education, no cuts to health, no change to pensions, no change to the GST, and. No cuts to the ABC or SBS. Yeah, and as soon they as they got in, they just yeah. started cutting it left, right, they and centre. They slashed them. Yeah, exactly. Why can't the Labor Party do that, but for good things? <laughs> Why can't the Labor Why can't Party they? do anything? I'm on my That's fucking knees begging you, please lie about giving me some good things. Please. <laughs> the Labor Party is just terrified that if they say something, then, oh, the Murdoch media is going to have a field day no matter what we say. <sighs> Without acknowledging the fact that the Murdoch media says whatever the fuck it wants about them anyway, it just makes shit up out yeah. of the whole cloth yeah. every goddamn day. And they're still like, oh, well, if we if we do that, the, the Murdoch media might say that it's bad. So you may Even as well if you don't do that, they're going to say that you did do that and that it was bad. Like, there's no, yeah. just, you, you got to lean into that shit, bro. <sighs> so look. That's me talking to Albo. Bro, you gotta- <laughs> <laughs> but so look, the Liberal Party are fucking shit. We know this. They hate poor people. They want to demonize them. They want to make give money to their mates. The Labor Party are ineffectual. They're losers. They don't want to win. They're scared of everything. At mm-hmm. least we have a strong media class in this country mm-hmm. who are going to hold the Liberal Party to account. They're really going to interrogate them. Oh, hang on. Catherine Murphy had an, uh, had an article with the headline, After a bastard of a year, the coalition unveils a budget of heroic optimism. But will it work? For fuck's sake, Murphy... I'm, I'm just, I'm begging anyone, in the, besides Jackie Lambie, can you do the fucking <laughs> minimum? The bare <laughs> fucking minimum. I just, well, she, 
In her defense, it is a budget of heroic optimism. It does include, like, a solution to climate change and a vaccine for COVID. <laughs> it doesn't. Heroic denial. It's do- it doesn't include for that. It just assumes it'll happen. It's not even optimistic. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that's where she's gone wrong, is calling it heroic optimism. After a bastard <laughs> of a year, the coalition unveils a budget of delusional optimism. <laughs> yeah. Will it work? Of sheer idiocy and cruelty. That's the way to write a headline. This is this is the thing that got me as well, is that on The Guardian's podcast, they did this like budget roundup, as you would expect them to do. And on this podcast, everyone that they were talking to was asked to rate the budget out of 10. And Catherine Murphy, amongst a bunch of others, on The Guardian podcast, for fuck's sake, when you're a no-doomerism podcast, mm. come on, Mitch, get it together, was talking about like, all right, well, look, if we're going to rate it out of 10... We do need to keep in mind that it's an LNP budget. And so we really need to rate it against all their other budgets and their ideology <sighs> and what we would expect of a liberal government. It's like, no, actually, you fucking don't. The federal yep. budget will affect every single person in the nation. So how about you just judge it on its fucking effectiveness to help the nation? Yeah, you don't go into Centrelink and say, I'm unemployed, but let's keep in mind it's an LNP unemployment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So give me a bit more money Yeah the idea that they actually gave it Like so they were giving it like you know 5 and 6 out of 10 Because mm. they're saying well look We weren't expecting a liberal party To really help poor people in any way And what they did instead Was lie vaguely about how they might help poor people So that's taken it from a 4 to a 6 <laughs> This just reminds me a little bit of what you see in like the New York Times where they have, you know, Trump there just doing whatever comes off the top of his head and and trying to make up reasons to nuke China. And you see this media class desperately trying to pretend that this makes sense, desperately trying to go, ah, he must be doing this in order to appeal to suburban people. Or, oh, this is actually quite a good technique given that it's a slow economic period. No, just rep- don't try and create fan fiction headcanon that he's a functioning politician. Don't do what you're doing here in The Guardian where you go, ah, in light of it being an LNP budget, the writing of this season has not been great. So let's let's keep that in mind. <laughs> Just report it as it is, which is cruel and stupid. You don't have to come up with reasons to justify it. They're like video game journalists. Yeah. Where they're just like, well, look, you know, obviously it's very bad, but... It is the flagship budget release of the season. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. Well done, Rockstar. Like, Yeah, we've got to encourage them. <laughs> they know that if they give it less than a really good score, then all the fanboys <laughs> are just going to get up on them and get all harassment. They're like, nah, nah, nah. It's a really good, it's a really good budget. We love it. Bye. <laughs> yeah, if we were living in a different world and he was doing this for different reasons and he had this long-term plan, oh, yeah, I can figure out a way in my head that this would make sense. No, don't do the work that they haven't done. Just Guardian getting some unemployed people and like indigenous people and refugees on the podcast and getting them to rate the budget and being like, now before you rate it, remember it's an LNP budget. So give it a better score than you would. Make sure. The refugees are just like, I just want to be able to see the sun again. Well, it's an LNP budget though. Finally in the news this week, nothing to do with the budget, notable activist Kevin Rudd, Mm. uh, ex-Prime Minister of Australia, has uh, started a petition for a royal commission into Murdoch Media. Mm. Turns out, uh, you might not have noticed, that Murdoch Media is a little bit biased. Yeah, they they seem to be a bit of a corrosive influence on Australian democracy. And finally, someone, ex-Prime Minister Kevin Rudd, 
has has just noticed this. Started a petition. Look oh, out! Ho, ho, ho. Uh, so Rad has started a petition to launch a royal commission into Murdoch Media, which is just bonkers because he used to be the prime minister, and so he knows that petitions are really, really easy to ignore, and even royal commissions are really, really <laughs> easy to ignore. <laughs> Australia loves to have a royal commission, and they love to ignore the results of them. Every now and then, there'll be a big problem, and they'll have a royal commission into it, and the royal commission will be like, that was a big problem. And they'll be like, we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Sometimes, the royal commission will be like, actually, it wasn't so bad. And in response to those, they'll be like, it was pretty bad. So... <laughs> We had the Royal Commission into the banks, uh, and still, even last week, Westpac was caught committing millions and millions of crimes. Uh, we had the Royal Commission into unions, where it found that uh, there was basically no wrongdoing. They found, like, one guy who was, like, a bit dodgy. He resigned, and ever since then, the government's still like, oh, those bloody unions! We had a Royal Someone Commission into a Royal Commission! <laughs> <laughs> there was the Royal Commission into deaths in custody in, like, fucking 1990s. And, well, I mean, here we go. Lydia Thorpe sworn in to uh, the, the, the Victorian Senate carrying a message stick bearing a single mark for each of the 441 First Nations people who have died in custody since the Royal Commission. Clearly and, didn't fucking fix that. And that Royal Commission said, too many people are dying in custody. It's fucked. You should do something about this. And they proceeded to not. We had the Royal Commission into Aged Care very recently. This is before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. The pandemic was massively exacerbated. It was way worse because of the state of aged care in Australia. Before the pandemic hit, the Royal Commission had already flagged massive funding increase was necessary for aged care. Totally ignored. We just had the budget. There's no increase mm. for aged care. They totally ignored that. Finally, there was the Royal Commission into the Pink Bats scheme, which is when the Labor Party tried to improve the insulation in a lot of homes. A couple of fires broke out as a result of this, mm -hmm. and a few people died. Huge tragedy, but it turns out, as a result of the Royal Commission into why people died, that while people did die, the amount of fires and the amount of deaths actually fell during that scheme. So, like, people just die during construction sometimes. It's a dangerous job. Mm. And it turns out that redoing insulation is part of that danger, but... Even though the Royal Commission showed that the Pink Bat scheme was totally fine, last week, the Liberal Party tweeted, The last time Labor was in government, their botched Pink Bats program resulted in fires in people's roofs. Mm. Trust Labor to build houses? Did did they not realise that a Royal Commission happened and it showed you that, they yeah, that's, that's something that you can trust? They do know that and they do ignore it because Royal Commissions mean nothing in Australia. Australia is a country that has a lot of experts that get totally ignored just all the time. We have so many experts on climate change, on uh, all of these things we've just talked about, constantly telling the government, hey, you've got to do something about this. The government ignores them. The bad thing happens. They have a royal commission with probably the same experts. They tell them the same thing and they ignore them again. It's a great way to spend a lot of money to look like you're doing something yeah. and then do whatever you wanted to do anyway. Not only not only spend a lot of money on doing like looking like you're doing something. It's a great way to spend money to hopefully draw out a contemporary issue yeah. long enough so that when you do ignore it later on, less people care. Yeah, because that was ages ago. They go, oh, we'll have a royal commission into it. Yeah, and this has been the system of government for decades. This isn't like oh, Morrison's government ignores royal commissions. The royal commission into deaths in custody was in nineteen fucking ninety one. Kevin Rudd was elected Prime Minister in 2007. He was the head 
of this government that consistently ignores royal commissions. He mm. knows how to ignore a royal commission. He's a he's a freaking <laughs> boss of ignoring royal commissions. And he is still getting on fucking social media being like, oh, sign my petition to make a royal commission into Murdoch Media. Yeah, good job, Kevin Rudd. You had your chance. Twice. You had your chance. There's something about, like, prime ministers in this country, like, ex-prime ministers in this country, coming back and, like, saying things that everyone wanted them to say Mm. while they were in power. Uh, But, like, and a lot of people giving him cover for it, too. Like, oh, here comes comes Crud. Here comes Kevin 07, bloody blast from the past, here with a Mm. petition for a royal commission. What the fuck? He's taking it to Rupert Murdoch. Look out, Murdoch Press. Kevin Rudd's coming for you. You've got a target on your back. (laughs) Because he's going to get that petition signed. And when that petition hits the government, they'll have no choice but to call a royal commission into Murdoch Media. And then where will you be, Richard Murdoch? (laughs) What are you going to do then? They they actually will have a choice, of course. The government doesn't have to do anything about these petitions. I mean, we'll see when once Albo is is retired, we'll see him be like, oh, they bloody, ah, this government needs to do very specific things. Um, But you won't see that while he's here because, as we all know, as soon as you make a statement of any solidity, you can be called on it by the Murdoch media. Actions this week. Sign Kevin Rudd's petition. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you may as well. You may as well. This is is the thing, is that that Royal Commission, uh, well, the the petition for a Royal Commission as well, Jesus Christ. It's like, it is a good first step, but if you treat it like it is the first and only thing that needs to be done and we're going to stick it to him now, you're just, you are deluded. That's not how this works. But if Kevin Rudd actually wants to use this as pretty much a clarion call to get people motivated against Murdoch, and then he wants to start with some petitions, which you can organize yourself for your local area to stop Mm -hmm. people reading Murdoch papers. If he then wants to try to bolster union support so that whenever the Murdoch papers try to run interference with the Liberal Party and demonize workers, the unions have enough power and actual money to run counter ads against it cool Mm. get on that as well if kevin rudd wants to go dump shit on the front doorstep of some murdoch papers go for it yeah exactly those print works fuck it why not sign the petition start a podcast we're all for that sort of shit as well don't start a podcast (laughs) do not start a podcast kevin rudd (laughs) fuck no um Speaking of podcasts that I'm glad have started, though, another shout-out this week, like we mentioned before, if you want to catch up on the budget stuff in more detail than what we gave it, check out No Turning Back and Ozpol Snack Pod. They did some really good breakdowns of the budget. Thanks for listening to Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at NotGoodPod on all the socials or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. We love to hear your feedback uh, and we hate to hear your criticism uh if you enjoyed this podcast <laughs> please, please uh rate and review us on all the listening stuff that helps to spread the word and also why not just spread the word manually by telling a friend if you're kevin rudd and you'd like to make some change in society maybe spill some dirt on all that shady shit that you know about the government that could do some good like leak yeah. that to one of the competitors to the murdoch media give them some sweet scoops Not good enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.